Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, we've had a very dramatic time here at Bedtime Stories HQ. Uh, my my street flooded last night. We've had a lot of rain. Um, so as I'm sitting here recording this podcast, I can hear the sound of heavy machinery and chainsaws in the distance as the council and the emergency services try to get the roads clear again. You can also probably hear my voice is pretty off. I'm a bit sick. So if you're wondering why I sound funny, that's why. <laughs> and I haven't even started doing bad accents yet. All right. The other thing I want to address before we start is I've had a lot of messages from people who say they miss Nanny Piggins because I've been doing the Pesky Kids for a couple of weeks now. And I totally understand that. No one loves Nanny Piggins more than me. Um, I will remind you that I have written nine Nanny Piggins books and there's two Nanny Piggins audiobooks, all of which you can order and buy. So if you want more Nanny Piggins, you can do that. Um, I can't record all the Nanny Piggins books on the podcast. I just can't. Um, I know you're all kids out there and you probably haven't thought about this, but um, selling books and audiobooks is how I make my living and how I pay the mortgage and I support my family. So I do have to keep doing that. I have been doing the podcast for free because I love to tell stories and I've really enjoyed it. So most of the stories I've written, especially for the podcast, and my publisher has graciously given me permission to do some specific stories. But um, like me, my publisher has to keep making money. So uh, Nanny Piggins is quite the powerhouse for them and me financially. So I can't just give away endless Nanny Piggins published content. But they have said I can do the pesky kids. So let's stick with that. Um, I'm going to get into it today with chapter six. Uh, where did we get up to last time? Well, the kids, April, Finn and Joe, they had just started school. So this is chapter six, not fitting in. Joe, April and Finn loitered outside the admin building, consulting their new timetables. Well, Joe and Finn did. April screwed her paperwork up into a ball and used it to play fetch with Pumpkin. We've got PE down on the football field, said Finn. Ugh, said April. Let's skip it. You can't skip your first lesson on your first day, said Joe. Of course we can, exclaimed April. We can pretend we couldn't find it. How could we not find a football field, asked Finn. It's pretty big and distinctive looking. Plus, I can see it from here. I've got PE next period, but I've got maths now, said Joe. He looked like he wanted to cry. He didn't like maths. It's not too late, said April. You can make a run for it. I'll get Pumpkin to create a diversion for you. Yeah, you could homeschool yourself, said Finn. You'd like that, reading books all day and not talking to anyone. Joe nodded. But there'd be so much fuss. Joe hated fuss even more than he hated talking to people, usually because fuss involved a lot of long and intense bouts of talking to people. He trudged off towards the math block. 
April and Finn ambled in the other direction. There were 30 students already milling about on the corner of the football field nearest the PE teacher's office. April stood on the bank above the field, hands on her hips, surveying her new classmates like an emperor surveying his kingdom. Pumpkin sat at her heels growling, as if waiting for April to signal which one to attack first. Finn stuck his hands in his pockets, hunched his shoulders and tried to squeeze himself in so that he would appear insignificant and unthreatening, basically as little like April as possible. Come on, said April, nudging Finn. She'd evidently had enough of trying to stare down her peers. Let's get this over with. Let's make our first impression. You know, you could always try smiling and being nice to people, said Finn, scurrying along behind her as she strode down the bank. Ha! scoffed April. Then they'd think I was weak. People like weak people, said Finn. They make good friends. I don't need to suck up to anyone, said April. I'll just use my normal charm and they'll be eating out of my hand in five minutes. We're doomed, muttered Finn. April sidled up and stood next to the rest of the class. Everyone was looking at her, which Finn found mildly relieving. At least his plan to go unnoticed was working. April stared back at her classmates. Her stare was so intense, it was as if she was Superman trying to burn a hole in a solid steel wall with her eyes. Several children looked away as she locked her gaze on them. One brave boy spoke. "'You're wearing the wrong uniform,' he said. He was a skinny boy with a lot of freckles, but apparently had courage disproportional to his size. "'Says who?' asked April menacingly. "'You just asked,' said the boy. "'It's the wrong uniform.' He gestured to his own uniform. He was wearing a polo shirt and elasticated shorts, which matched what everyone else was wearing. April and Finn were still in their button-down shirts, leather shoes, and in April's case, the despised skirt. "'Who are you?' asked April, taking a step closer and glaring into the boy's face. "'The uniform police?' "'My name's Darren,' answered Darren, literally. "'You can't run around in the regular uniform.' "'Why not?' demanded April, poking the boy in the chest with her forefinger. "'I can do what I like.' Finn winced. There was going to be a fight, or April would taunt the boy until he started crying. Either way, this was not a good first impression. "'But when we do cartwheels and handstands, everyone will see your undies,' said Darren. The rest of the class burst out laughing. The tension had been broken. Finn laughed nervously too. He wanted to be part of the group.' April's face went bright red. She looked like she was considering fighting everyone. "'Why do you have a dog here at school?' asked a blonde girl with pigtails, an unusual look for anyone over the age of five. She had the air of a goody two-shoes about her. "'So I don't have to bite you myself,' threatened April. "'I've got three cattle dogs at home,' called out another boy. "'They'd use your dog as a chew toy.' The class laughed again, louder this time. Nice one, Kieran, said Darren, giving the boy a high five. April's face screwed up with rage. Finn would have grabbed her arm to restrain her, but he didn't want to get his arm broken. Get him, she whispered to Pumpkin, and her dog took off like a rocket. Pumpkin leapt straight for Kieran's groin. Kieran jumped back just in time and took off running with Pumpkin close on his heels. Now April laughed. That's enough, called a man with a thick accent. The class fell silent. The man was wearing a bright red tracksuit, so either he had terrible dress sense or he was their PE teacher. "'We've got new kids,' the pigtail girl called out. "'And they're not wearing the sport uniform,' added Darren. "'Dibber-dobber,' sneered April. "'It's just a fact,' said Darren. "'It's just a fact that I'm going to rearrange your face at break time,' said April. 
I'm busy at break time, said Darren. That's when we all play bowls. Huh? April was getting increasingly confused. The teacher walked over. He had thick, dark hair and a muscly physique. I'm Mr Popoff. You have heard of me, he said. It was unclear from his tone whether this was a statement or a question. He had a strange way of speaking in staccato half-sentences that were grammatically muddled, as if he were following a pattern from his first language. No, said April rudely. I was boxing champion in my own country, said Mr Popov. I don't approve of boxing, said April. Too many brain injuries. I prefer wrestling. Mr Popov glowered. Since these students do not bring correct uniform, no sport for anyone today. We do theory. The rest of the class groaned. That's not fair, said Finn. We didn't know we were going to have PE today. You bring pencils, didn't you? You bring paper, said Mr Popov, because you know you'll be having maths and English. But always no for sport. Always complete surprise you have sport. It's our first day, said Finn. And you had no sport at your old school, asked Mr Popov. April was looking at her school bag. Actually, we don't have pencils or paper either. We came equally unprepared for all our lessons. Mr Popov stared at April. In my country, children do not answer back to teachers. What country is that exactly? asked April suspiciously. Mr Popov paused and coloured slightly. None of your business. You will be quiet now, he said. I will discuss your attitude with Mr Lang when I see him. Everyone into the classroom. The class groaned again. Mr Popov marched into the room next to the office. The students straggled in after him. Thanks a lot, newbie, whispered the pigtail girl as she walked past. Most of the rest of the class contented themselves with merely glaring menacingly. April leaned close to Finn. He instinctively flinched away, but she just whispered to him, I bet he's a collective agent. Who? asked Finn in alarm. Mr Popoff. He says he's a boxing champion, said April. Why would anyone good at anything want to work here? Pumpkin trotted back and proudly dropped a swatch of clothing at April's feet. It looked a lot like the crotch from a pair of boys' gym shorts. There was no sign of Kieran. Good dog, said April, patting Pumpkin on the head. Inside the classroom, the students were getting out their pens and paper. Mr Popoff had insisted that April tie Pumpkin up outside. She didn't have a leash, so she'd had to make an improvised one out of shoelaces. Not her own, of course. She'd forced Finn to give her his. Today we learn about interval training, said Mr Popov. Everyone, get out your cockroaches. All the other students started rifling through their bags, pulling out shoeboxes, jam jars and Tupperware containers. Did he say cockroaches? asked April. Finn just shrugged. He was as baffled as her. Today you will develop a program to increase the cardiovascular capability of your cockroaches, said Mr Popov. The goody-two-shoes pigtail girl put up her hand. Yes, what is it, Matilda? asked Mr Popov. The new kids don't have cockroaches, said Matilda. Everyone looked at Finn and April. What? demanded Mr Popov. No uniforms, no pens, and now no cockroaches. Come on, exclaimed April. You can't have expected us to know we needed cockroaches. But the race is on this Saturday, said Matilda. The other students started muttering to themselves. We're not entering the race, said Finn. There were several gasps of shock. Mr Popov sighed. Fine. You sit at the back. Observe what everyone else is doing. Just no getting in the way. Aren't we supposed to be learning about our physical education, not the physical education of cockroaches, asked April. 
It's analogous, said Mr. Popov. You apply what you learn training the cockroaches to your own training. I'm pretty sure that's not in the standardized curriculum, said April. Well, it's in my curriculum, said Mr. Popov. Go to the back of the class. April and Finn watched as the other students broke up into small groups and started running their cockroaches through short exercises. It was all very peculiar. One group encouraged a cockroach to run up the tube of a vacuum cleaner by luring it with a piece of old toast. Another put their cockroach in a clear plastic hamster ball, then rolled it around on the floor. And yet another group had a tiny cockroach-sized treadmill made out of a hand-cranked kitchen whisk. They're all balmy, muttered April. Nutty as fruitcakes, agreed Finn. But please stop telling them that. We're never going to make friends if you're not nice to people. I don't want to be friends with a bunch of cockroach lovers, said April. I don't see why we can't go home to the city. Because we'll be killed or kidnapped by collective agents, stated Finn. Sounds less painful than sitting here watching this, grumbled April. At their old school, there was no way the students would have cared about cockroach racing. They were all too busy being carted around a myriad of after-school activities. And if there was ever any free time between the yoga, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and macrame lessons, they would have spent it staring at an electronic device, playing a game or bullying someone on social media, the most bloodthirsty computer game of all. There is no way they would have spent a split second looking for, catching or training an insect, let alone a disgusting great big brown one. After half an hour of experimenting, Mr Popov called his class to order. Right, we test your work. Bring your cockroaches to the front. Mr Popov rolled out a round mat that was two metres in diameter. Then he produced a large dish with a handle. Is that the lid off a wok? asked April. Duh, said Matilda. It's a replica of the official cockroach race ceremonial shield. We're trying to copy race conditions. All competitors under the shield, said Mr Popov. He raised one edge and the students tucked their cockroaches underneath. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three! He whipped back the lid, revealed ten cockroaches. None of them moved. The students all stared at their cockroaches intently. I can see why everyone finds this such an exciting sport, said April sarcastically. Shh, said several people around her. We're all just standing here, staring at insects, said April. Why should I shush? She looked around. Everyone was watching the cockroaches. Some people seemed to be praying. Others rocked anxiously, and Matilda fiddled nervously with her hand. You'll spook the cockroaches, whispered Darren. Please, said April. But she was soon interrupted. A cockroach had started to move. They're off, cried Darren. The rest of the class started screaming too. Cries of, come on, you can do it. And run, please run, echoed around the room. It was all over in about two seconds. One cockroach made a start, paused, then at lightning speed scurried straight for the outer ring. She did it, exclaimed Matilda, swooping forward and snatching up her cockroach. She fumbled it into a Tupperware container so quickly that she momentarily got her sleeve caught in the lid. My Bertha was the fastest. Congratulations, said Mr Popov. April snorted. Don't congratulate her, she said. She just cheated. How dare you, exclaimed Matilda. I dare because I'm 100% correct, said April. You cheated. April, please don't do this, said Finn. That cockroach isn't the one that crossed the line, said April, pointing to the roach scurrying about inside the Tupperware. Matilda swapped it out. I saw her. She has another one up her sleeve. 
That's ridiculous, said Mr. Popoff. This is just a class exercise. There's no motive to cheat. There is if you want to practice cheating for the big race on Saturday, argued April. People were starting to look less contemptuously at April and more contemptuously at Matilda now. She's making it up, accused Matilda. She's new and she's got no friends. She's got no proof. But the proof is right there up your sleeve, said April. The original cockroach must still be in there. I saw you hide something up your cuff. I did not, said Matilda. We'll soon see, said April. And with that, she finally got to do something physical in physical education. She leapt on Matilda. All the other students stepped out of the way, so April had no trouble getting hold of her. Matilda tried to fight her off, but April had a firm grip of her cuff. Eventually, both girls pulled so hard, the entire sleeve tore off in April's hand. What have we got here, said April, looking inside. Aha! She pulled out a small plastic tube, the type vitamin tablets come in, and removed the lid. A cosy little bedroom for a cockroach. April shook it out. The cockroach and a small push button fell into her hand. Hey, that's not a normal cockroach, said Darren. Everything's abnormal here in Currawong, said April. No, there's something not right about it, said Animesh, a stocky boy whose cockroach had come second in the race. Give me a look, said Finn. He picked up the cockroach. It's not a cockroach at all, he cried. It's a robot. There were gasps from the rest of the class. Look, said Finn, you can see the metal hinges on the legs. And right there is the cover for the battery. And that button is the remote control she used to operate it, said April. Matilda burst into tears. I'm so sorry. I just really wanted to win. We all want to win, said Animesh, witheringly. But my dad won, and his dad won, and his mum won, and her cousin won, wailed Matilda. There's so much pressure to maintain the family tradition. What, were they all cheats too, asked April. I can't be the first person in my family to lose the cockroach races since great-uncle Waldo, wailed Matilda. He's 81 and he's never lived it down. It's haunted him his whole life. That's enough, snapped Mr Popoff. Just then the bell rang. It was the end of class. Go on, get out, all of you. I hope you learned something. I didn't learn much, said April, but to be fair, I learn more than I usually do in P.E. And that's the end of the chapter, so we'll leave it there. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>